0: We've got this. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey. Welcome back to the Cervical Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Danelle Barbara Randall. And today I have a conversation to share with you with Chloe Scarlack. Chloe is a Justice, holistic, reproductive health practitioner and certified full spectrum fertility awareness educator, aka she's widely passionate about the menstrual cycle. I love that. Um self descriptor. She's charted her own cycle for 12 years and has six years of experience teaching fertility awareness education to people who want to achieve or avoid pregnancy without medical intervention, understand themselves and their health better, and live life more cyclically. Infused with joy, laughter, and play, God, that's such a good descriptor of Chloe too. <laughs> Chloe's classes help people regain their sexual and reproductive sovereignty, become advocates for their own health, and live vibrant, healthy lives. She also loves full moon bathing, any kind of partner dancing, and taking photos of cervixes, which we get into in this conversation. So friends, you know that I'm kind of new to the whole podcast world, and uh, Oh, I feel a little embarrassed to say this, but oh man. While I was interviewing Chloe, I thought I hit the mute button on my uh, microphone a couple times when I had to clear my throat. So I was experiencing like a frog in my throat experience, and my microphone has this mute button that I thought when I clicked would mute my microphone. And so while Chloe was speaking two different times, I clicked this mute button and I cleared my throat, (laughs) but it didn't mute my microphone. Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. So there are two separate occasions in this conversation where I clearly clear my throat and I am not a savvy editor yet to figure out how to (laughs) separate it out. So I apologize in advance, friends. I apologize, Chloe, for clearing my throat over your beautiful words. But alas, you know, imperfection is the way of life and being human. And I have foregone being a perfectionist in my life. So hence this little warning. This conversation with Chloe is so fun. I love speaking. Speaking with her, I love knowing Chloe. We go into all things fertility awareness, the importance of the cervix within fertility awareness. Like what, is it, what does fertility awareness mean? How does the cervix play a role? We go into um, Chloe's deep love of the cervix and how she connects to her cervix in her everyday life. We talk about her work with the youth, the the young, young women and Educating them on the menstrual cycle and what they can expect as they reach their first period. And we also talk about uh, how to connect to our cervixes in different ways than I normally speak to. So I'm very excited for you to hear this conversation with Chloe. She is so knowledgeable and excited about this work and the passion that she has for Fertility Awareness for the Female Body for Sovereign Education is palpable in this interview. So friends, without further ado, I would love to introduce you to Chloe Skerlock. Hi, Chloe. Thanks for being on the Cervical Wellness Podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Well, I am just so excited to share your voice and message with the cervical wellness community. I'm sure actually many of them know who you are because I get sent your content often for your deep love of the cervix as well. Um, But to begin, I would love to just invite you to share your story or background and
1: what is the work that you do and how did you get into it? Mm-hmm. thank you. I am a justice holistic reproductive health practitioner and certified full spectrum fertility awareness educator. So that is a mouthful. To simply say that I am crazy passionate about the menstrual cycle. So I teach people how to track their menstrual cycle. And not just the period when it comes and when it goes, but everything in between. So the cervical mucus, the basal body temperature, the cervical position, even miscellaneous symptoms like changes in libido and in mood. And I do this as a full spectrum fertility awareness educator from people's first periods to their last. So I offer courses for people who are coming in. So their menstrual cycle, the period positivity workshop for the littles. I also help people who are exiting and transitioning out in perimenopause, where you finally get to land to the much more comfortable place of menopause and everybody in between, whether you are charting for postpartum, charting to avoid pregnancy, charting to achieve pregnancy, or even if you're just charting to better understand yourself and your health. That's what I do. It's super Mm -hmm. fun. How
0: did you how did you get into this work? What was like the impetus to to start on this path?
1: Yeah, I find that we teach what we need for ourselves, right? And so I discovered fertility awareness in my early 20s and I was looking for a hormone-free birth control. So I just intuitively knew I didn't want to be on the pill. But looking for a contraception was like asking yourself, how do you like your hormones? In the pill, in the patch, in the IUD, right? And I thought there's got to be another way. This is ridiculous. And it was actually through the church that I discovered the fertility awareness method. So my cousin was getting married and through the Catholic church. And in marriage prep, they teach you all about your cervical mucus so that you can plan your family. And my cousin was she just knew like Chloe, you're gonna love this. You need to call this woman. And so I called this woman. She lived in my city. I met in her basement, bouncing her little babe on my knee for our sessions. I met her in her home and she gave me several sessions on how to track my cycle. And it just it was amazing. I couldn't believe how how easy it was, how nobody ever talks about this. Um and so that's where where it all started. So I tell people that I, I started for the birth control, but I stay for the body literacy because it's been 12 years that I've been charting my cycle. And just all of the experience and the aha moments, the initiations, the learning, the growing that has come from being so intimately connected to my cycle is just something I want to offer as many people as I can. So beautiful. I love that
0: so much. And actually, I was just recounting that piece of historical information you shared about how fertility awareness method actually comes from the Catholic church or just maybe not even just Catholic, but the church in general, I looked up the history of where does this come from? And it's exactly what you just said is teaching married women how to manage their fertility for the purpose of having babies or abstaining from having babies. And I don't know if many people know that. So thanks for putting that
1: yeah, because you can't, as, as far as the Catholic Church is concerned, you can't use condoms and can't use withdrawal. So a lot of the research actually that has been done in the fertility awareness method has been financed by the Pope. Oh, really? They. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Were you going to say something I know, else? So actually, thanks. No, just, you know, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> That's where a lot of it comes from. And wow. of course, now there's, Um, there's many different kinds of fertility awareness methods. So people have to be really careful when they're looking for a fertility awareness educator or practicing a fertility awareness method because the term fertility awareness-based methods or FABMs, that's an umbrella that encompasses all different kinds of methods. Essentially, if the method understands that you're not fertile every single day and that you can pay attention to this, it's a fertility awareness-based method. So they are not the same and they differ in their effectiveness, in what they track and chart, who they teach so some are more religious and they won't teach different kinds of people whereas some are more secular more inclusive um and even the education that the educator has received in order to offer this information so you really have to do your research when you're looking for a particular method
0: okay and you're a justice practitioner correct what does that mean so
1: i'm a justice justice yeah. justice or what is- okay. so yeah so the actual name justice comes from the french word meaning justice And actually the founder of the Justice Method, Dr. Geraldine Mattis, she comes from my city where I live in Edmonton, Alberta, and she founded the method a year before I was born. So in 1987, and she founded the Justice Method because she was teaching one of the religious methods to single women. And so they kicked her out and she had said, this is not okay. Everyone needs access to this information. This is reproductive justice, right? And so she called the method, the Justice Method. And so that's something that's super special about our method is that um, I teach from all perspectives. Like everyone is open to this information. I don't um, discriminate regardless of, you know, sexual orientation, marital status, right? I teach everyone. If you want to learn, I'll teach you. And that's one of the, um, it's one of the principles of teaching the justice method is the inclusiveness.
0: Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. All these little nuances that I didn't know and. I'm so grateful you're bringing forward because I, I know, you know, in my work with cervical wellness and women wanting to get off of hormonal birth control, I will admit I use the term like for, Oh, fertility awareness based method of tracking your cycle. I use it as an umbrella, but from what you are saying now is this actually very, there's differences in each of the methods. And, um, this I'm curious, is there like something specific that is difference in the methods or. Can you like speak to that a little bit, just in case people are like, God, I wonder what the differences are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things you're going to pay attention to is what does the method teach you to track? So there are symptothermal methods, symptom hormonal methods, cervical mucus only methods and temperature only methods. So the justice method is a symptothermal thermal method and cervical mucus only method. So that means that you could track just your cervical mucus and you would have all the in- information you need to avoid or achieve pregnancy, for example, but we're also a symptothermal method. So I teach everyone that I teach about their mucus, about their basal body temperature and about their cervical position. Mm-hmm. Symptohormonal methods use mucus and your um, hormone metabolites, like urinary metabolites, mm-hmm. whether it's um, like an LH strip or some kind of like clear blue fertility monitor. Um, so they use the mucus and like the LH. So it's a symptohormonal hormonal method and then you have temperature only methods so that would be like natural cycles or daisy or even you know an app that tries to predict when you're fertile using your temperature so this is what the least effective of all the methods because we know that temperature cannot predict when you're fertile it only confirms it so you have to be very careful with these temperature only methods unless you just want to completely consider your entire preovulatory phase fertile because there's no way to open the window we don't want to use predictions to open in our window of fertility. So that would be an example of how the methods differ.
0: Oh, great. Thank you for that clarification. Um, yeah, I mean, you kind of have touched on it a little bit given that you've mentioned cervical mucus, but what is the cervix's role in fertility awareness and cycle tracking? Because you know, I'm a cervix fan in a different capacity, and you're a cervix fan. And I just love to bring cervix into this conversation.
1: Absolutely. So the very first sign. Time- Um, And the most important one is cervical mucus. So of course, that's that wonderful nectar of fertility that comes straight from your cervix. So paying attention to your fertility, which is what fertility awareness is. So fertility awareness simply means you're aware of the changes in your fertility, right? That's one of the beautiful things about being a woman and being somebody with a menstrual cycle is that we're not the same every day. And so on a very micro level, the first thing you pay attention to are those changes in cervical mucus. Cervical fluid, cervical secretion, you know, whatever word you love to use. And it starts with paying attention to your toilet paper. So you wipe before and after you go to the bathroom and you look for that cervical mucus. You're the cervical mucus detective. So of course, with our fertility, it's the cervix that is our nature's gate, right? Or the portal that opens and closes to allow sperm inside our body or not, among other things like pathogens and bacteria and whatnot. So if someone wants to manage their fertility in a natural way, they're going to get to know all about their cervix because as I love to call it, it's the hotel de la sperm. And you have to know when it's open and when it's closed if you want to avoid or achieve pregnancy without medical intervention. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on hotel de la sperm? Hotel de la sperm, so in the justice method, we call it nature's gate, and like a good gate. Sometimes it's open and sometimes it's closed, but I've taken that one step further. And when I think about the cervix, I think of it as like this hotel, the sperm, because when they open and releasing cervical mucus, the sperm can come in and check in for three to five days. And they've got everything they need a swim up bar, a buffet, right? Everything they need to live for three to five days up in that cervix. So mm-hmm. if we ovulate within those five days and the egg is released, then the sperm can go up and potentially fertilize the egg. So that's why I call it the hotel de la sperm. Uh, I've got lots, I've got lots of analogies. I just, yeah, I love, love, love analogies. I (laughs) I use,
0: I use analogies too. Yeah. Amazing. Well, your excitement about the cervix just warms my heart because I don't know any I mean, there's only a few of us, I feel, who talks so openly and excitedly about what cervix means in our life and in our body. And yeah, I would just love to hear about your relationship to your cervix, even beyond you know fertility awareness and, and checking cervical mucus and whatnot. But what, what has your relationship been like to your cervix? How has it evolved and anything you'd like to share in that matter?
1: Yeah, I have a photo of my cervix in my house. So, everyone who uses my bathroom right there above the toilet is my cervix. Um, so, yeah, I love my cervix so much. I had no idea I would fall in love with something so much. And actually, it was after 10 years or something, many years of charting fertility awareness, that I finally actually see my cervix for the very first time. And it was when I was just doing a routine checkup, just getting like my STI test done, you know, just getting all of that done. And the nurse, I was telling her that I was a fertility awareness educator and she thought, oh, well, have you ever, ever seen your cervix? I'm like, no. And I thought of all of the like times that I've checked the cervical mucus on the toilet paper, all of the times I've done a cervical position check when I insert my finger and check for the position opening and te- texture of my cervix with my finger. I thought of all of the men and all of the partners that have felt my cervix with their finger, with their penis and all the doctors and nurses and other people who got to have who got to see and interact with my cervix, and I had never seen it. And she opens this drawer, takes the smear out, and there it was, staring back at me. This thing that I had indirectly been touching, you know, paying attention to for a decade of my life, was staring back at me as this pink, perfect little donut. I swear, the, mo- the most beautiful compliment I think I've ever received is someone said, I just bet Chloe's cervix is smiling. And it was, it for sure was smiling back at me. I cried. It was so beautiful. And so ever since even just seeing my cervix and having so much appreciation, a lot of my relationship with my cervix that goes beyond tracking my fertility has really been inspired by you, Danelle, everything yeah. from the codependency, which oh, it's something that I continue to struggle with and continue to grow from. I'll never forget like when you talked about how the cervix, you can like, we can bring it all the way down to the center of the earth and we can just stack up all of the energy that we need and everything we need, we can do it ourselves and we can get it ourselves. And that visual of using my cervix to ground, to connect and to reach that source for myself has been a game changer. Um So a lot of what you talk about has actually really inspired me. And I recently also been open enough and I have felt safe and enough safe enough and more connected enough to be experiencing cervical orgasms which is just whoa whoa and I love to share my cervix I mean obviously I have my photo <laughs> I love to talk about my cervix I love to share my cervix um but especially with my partners too like you know everything from you know whether we're being intimate or not just talking about my cervix um having the like, asking them about what it's like to feel my cervix and of course they have to be a, taking a role in our fertility as well So of course we talk about cervical mucus but I feel like it's a part of my body I'm I'm sharing and talking about constantly and even just you know thinking about with myself even in like a daily meditation I'll bring my mind there and just again really it's that codependency you know what I mean just connecting with your own source and having that root for myself I feel like I'm kind of going off on a tangent but essentially yes I love my cervix.
0: It's beautiful. That's why we're here. I want to hear your voice and <gasps> share your excitement because, you know, one thing that I receive often in my client calls or women I speak to is they're like, I don't even know how to begin to. Oh, have cervix be in my life. Like, what does that even mean? And you just listed off like five or six different ways, you know, like having a photo taken, what like, or when you're at a gynecological exam, like ask for a hand mirror or buy a speculum and get your own hand mirror and flashlight. I I know that's something that you do as well. And I remember the first time I saw my cervix, I also burst out crying and it was the most like, uh I don't know like revelatory experience because for me I had a lot of pain and trauma and hardship with my cervix so then to see this like beautiful little pinks uh donut that is just like looking back at me like I love you I was like oh my gosh this is so beautiful so yeah I, I feel like you're the the depth of relationship that you have with this place in your body needs to be heard by other women. I'm so glad that you share about it because this is a place that we can connect to and um, we can invite into our life, like having a photo Absolutely. above your Absolutely. toilet.
1: <laughs> and it doesn't even have to be because I know with you and I, I know we are just knees deep, jump in, let's do this. And then sometimes I have to remind myself that you know the idea of using a speculum or even inserting your finger you know, people that are not ready for. And it's so important to meet people where they're at. And even something as simple as like one of your beautiful guided meditations, just to bring your awareness to that part of your body, or even just a gentle, like vaginal steaming, yeah. where you're just sitting and like, you know, bringing some, you know, gentle like steam to the area and just giving those 15 minutes to even just have your attention in that area. There's so many other ways that we can connect with our cervix that we can begin before we start speculum splunking you know, right. And taking photos, totally.
0: <laughs> totally. And I also love that you mentioned bringing your sexual partners on board with it or partner or wh- whoever you are intimate with. Um, because that is such a, it's like the, in my mind, the most deep, intimate place within our body. And so, especially if you are intimate with uh, a male bodied person, like to invite them to feel that depth within you, it is humbling for them too, or it can be so, yeah, I, I'm just so grateful for your enthusiasm, Chloe. And I, I love that you're here on this podcast right now. Um, so like going deeper into the cervix, I would love to hear more about just some beginning steps that you think, you know, from your perspective, cause I can talk about it all the time, but what are some steps that you would invite women to do to deepen their relationship with their cervix if they are feeling like some trepidation or fear or even like disgust. That's something that comes up a lot for the women that I speak to is just as like repulsion. So what? how do
1: you address that with
0: women that you work with?
1: Mm-hmm. That happens all the time, especially because the very first thing I teach people to do is to pay attention to the change in their cervical mucus pattern. So when I tell them they have to actually pick up with their finger something off their toilet paper that potentially might be hanging around with some urine or feces right they're like you want me to do what um and then these are the same people who 3 months later are putting menstrual blood on their face and <laughs> who are taking photos of their cervix right so it is a process it is a journey you know you got to meet people where they're at but i truly believe that is one of the most empowering gentle and easy ways to start is by paying attention to the mucus that Mm. comes from your cervix. Like I tell people, I'm teaching you the language of your cervix. Your body is talking, your cervix is talking, so Mm. we can listen. And you're already using the bathroom every day, and you're likely already using toilet paper. So (laughs) I always tell people from now on, whoever's listening on this call, starting today, when you're in the bathroom, first thing you're gonna do is take a few squares of toilet paper, And instead of crunching it up into a ball, we're not accosting our vulva with this anymore. We're going to fold it into a nice square and we're going to make it into a cervical mucus canvas. And even before you go to the bathroom, you're going to wipe from front to back and ask yourself, how did that feel? What was the sensation? And then you observe, what do you see on the toilet paper? And then you take your finger, you swipe across your toilet paper and you ask yourself, can you finger test? Can you pick anything up off the toilet paper? And then you pee, poo, do whatever you got to do. Take that same cervical mucus canvas and do it again. Right from front to back. How do I feel? What do I see? And can I pick anything up? And that's how you begin to speak the language of the cervix. And it is such a beautiful practice, regardless of whether you're trying to avoid or achieve pregnancy with this information, even just taking the extra few seconds it requires in the bathroom to yourself to listen to your body to ask yourself how am I feeling right now like literally literally what did I just feel when I wiped myself right look what do I see even when I first started charting 12 years ago the first thing I learned about myself was that when I'd go to the bathroom I'd wait till the very last second when it was an emergency and I'd run to the bathroom right pulling my pants down so I would always miss my first check. And then I realized, is this not the most basic form of body literacy that when your body says you need to pee, you go pee versus holding it in until it's an emergency. So this is what I mean when I, when I tell people that charting, it's not just about you know avoiding or achieving pregnancy, this beautiful teeny tiny little mindfulness tool of listening to your body. I have to pee now, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to ask myself, how did that feel? What do I see? It can just open up so many doors, including a relationship with your cervix, because you are literally learning the language of your cervix. It talks with cervical mucus, Mm -hmm. right? At least that's one of the places I know you have taught me so much about the cervix and boundaries and the immune system and yeah, everything about how this, like, the zone of transformation that is always changing and it's a reflection of what's going on for us physically, emotionally, spiritually. So, okay, before we dive into the deep end, what's on your toilet paper? Let's <laughs> just start there, right? And then it's like I tell people, once you start this rabbit hole, it's just you no know, turning back.
0: hmm hmm Yeah, you made me think about how, you know, when I was a teenager growing up, there would be you know, cervical mucus, but no one ever told me what that was. And for years, I always thought I had like yeast infections going on, and so they developed this aversion to the like egg white cervical mucus because I didn't have anybody like you in my life, Chloe, to tell me that that means you're actually really healthy. Um, have you has anybody ever said that to you before? I once, kn-
1: I once knew someone who was trying to conceive. And every time they saw this discharge in their underwear and on their toilet paper, they thought it was an infection. So then they wouldn't have sex because they didn't want to, you know, give it to their partner. And go figure, they couldn't get pregnant because they were practicing a form of natural contraception. When they saw mucus, they didn't get sperm in their vagina. So unbeknownst to them, yeah, that was their fertile window. That was normal. That was their body doing a good job, right? And I know so many stories of people who thought, when they saw the mucus, that it was, you know, a yeast infection or, right, some kind of negative discharge. So it's when I, when I teach the little ones, right, we talk about red flow and white flow, the red flow is menstruation, the white flow is your cervical mucus, and that this this is normal, healthy parts of your body, right? Mm -hmm. Good job, body, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Mm.
0: I would love to transition into that. Chloe, about your work with the, you know, young women, um, because I'm just, I am like, my heart is touched that you're doing this because I have two nieces. They're one, they're turning 15 and 13 this year. And, um, the 15 year old, just recently came and started like talking to me about some pretty serious things. And she's like, Danelle, nobody ever told me about any of this. And so I would just love to hear more about your programming with the the young women, like, and your inspiration to do that. And how do they receive it? Mm -hmm. How do they receive the information?
1: Absolutely. There isn't a single client that I've ever had that has not told me I wish I would have known this information sooner. So we all say that. We all wish we would have known this information sooner. So I was like, you know what? This this is ridiculous. We need to start reaching those people. And that's how the period Positivity Workshop was born. So I, it's just a Sunday afternoon. I teach it amongst um, parents and preteens who are all family or friends. So I kind of do it Tupperware party style. You know, like my mom was that mom who did all the parties, the sex parties, the Tupperware parties, the candle parties. So she'd invite all of her friends, right? And, and then there'd be the host. So it's the same thing except in this case it's a period positivity party and then they invite me into their living room and we spend a Sunday afternoon together it's great because you're there amongst all your friends right you know everyone your mom or your parent is there so I teach period positivity and I teach about what to expect like how to know that your period is coming what are the normal parameters of a menstrual cycle of like the red flow and the white flow um, how your emotions change. We talk about the seasons of the cycle. That's what I would have wished. I wish somebody would have told me it was normal to feel like four different people, right. In one cycle. Um, we talk about positive period products, right. We get all the tampons and we play with Gatorade, all that jazz. And it's as young, young as seven, So as young as seven come to the period positivity workshops. Mm-hmm. And so typically I would say I promote it to like eight to 13 year olds. Um, and they all take it differently, for sure. Oh, I did one last week. You no, know, it was so cute. This one little girl, she's like, every time I would say something, whether it was, like, I have them guess how much blood they think you'll lose an entire period. So I give them little plastic cups and a Gatorade. And, you know, same thing. It's like we're pouring the Gatorade. She's just like, ew. And then I'm like, and then there's mucus. And so then I pull, like, out the, like, I have mucus props, like, lotion and glue. And so, ew. And she's gonna ew. Ew. It was so cute. And I didn't like I didn't dismiss her and I didn't try and convince her otherwise. Like, no, it's not gross. It's beautiful. No, I didn't do that. I said, yeah, some people think it's gross. Totally. I love it. I think it's cool, but that's okay. Like so, you know, it was just I welcomed everything is welcome. No matter how you feel, it's totally normal. And of course, by the end, she was the one who was like, I want these period panties and I want this and I want this. I have them put together a whole period box to prepare. And she was the most excited by the end. But it was just so adorable. I'll never forget her voice. Ew, ew. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm always reminding parents too that it's not one conversation. It's many conversations. And that's what the Period Positivity Workshop is. It's a conversation starter. One of the most beautiful feedbacks I ever received from the party is the mom left and then she called me the next day and she'd said, Chloe, I'm so grateful for you because we had a whole conversation about this in the car ride home. And then the next day she was still talking about it. And I just know she feels so much more comfortable talking to me about the changes in her body now. Mm -hmm. And I'm always asking, you know, moms and parents, like, how do you feel about your cycle? Right. How would you, what do you share with your family about when you are in the different phases of your cycle? And you know, it's like, it's period time and mom's going to be sleeping a bit more and you're going to have to, you know, like dad's in charge of dinner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so how you feel about your cycle and your period and your white flow, you know, is how you're going to, that's going to be their first, their first experience with it. Right. Like my clients now, when they take their temperature, like if they have little kids, I always say buy them a thermometer so they can take their temperature too. And it's exciting. And they know, Oh, mom's not sick, but she's just checking her basal body temperature. It's something you do like brushing your teeth. So it really starts with you and your own personal experience with your cycle.
0: Mm. Wow. I'm sure for those mothers, I, do you, do they ever
1: come away being like, I didn't know this or do they ever? like All them? the time. It, I think my peer positivity workshops are just as informative for the parents as they are for the preteens. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Do any fathers come or is it mainly just moms? Yes.
1: So it is. Oh, so I call it a workshop for parents and preteens. So everyone is invited again, like inclusive. Everyone's, I think like, this conversation should happen amongst families, not just amongst us. And so I yeah, I've had fathers come for sure. And I did one workshop for a family where it was just the four of them. So it's the father, the mother and their twin 10 year old girls. And yeah, we did it online. And it was the five of us on a Sunday afternoon. And I just, I had them drawing vulva pictures and the dad is drawing the vulva. It was just so heartwarming. So um, heartwarming.
0: Wow. <laughs> I feel like that's like this, what you're speaking to is like the new wave of sex education for young girls. You know, one thing I was speaking to in a previous podcast episode was about how, um, how segregated men have been in the women's health conversation and how, like, I remember being in elementary school and, you know, they would have all the boys go outside to go play on the playground while then the girls learned about periods and like their change in hormonal cycle. But then we had to learn about, you know, the boys' erections and stuff. And I, I, I love that you're allowing the fathers and inviting them. And in if they want to be there, because the men need to know too, the men need to know about the cycle and cervical mucus and um, all of these things. So I'm just, yeah, I I've said this multiple times. I'm just so grateful you're doing this work, Chloe, because um, I feel like you are like an ally in this like revolution that we as women online are doing on behalf of women's health.
1: Yeah. It's so cool to be a part of, you know, paving the way and this new frontier Mm -hmm. and bringing it back to the mucus. One of the things I love to teach the littles the most is about their cervical mucus, because since a lot of the people who come to my period positivity workshops haven't had their first period yet, we know that estrogen levels will rise and ovulation will typically not always, but typically happen first before they get their first bleeding event. So paying attention to the cervical mucus You're gonna see the white flow before you see the red flow, Mm. right? So I teach them right at the beginning. Got to put your toilet paper into a square. Pay attention to what you see, right? And so, and oh, and I love nothing more than telling a group of young girls to go home and take a hand mirror and look at their vulva. I just Mm. love it.
0: I can imagine a bunch of squealing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. We have a good time
0: yeah just this just the piece around like don't crumble your toilet paper like fold it into a nice square as a canvas like to me even that little piece is mind-blowing because nobody ever told me that growing up and i'm just thinking about for the listeners who are mothers of young girls or burgeoning preteens, um you know these little tips about how to communicate this sort of stuff is really important and do you have any other tips on how to communicate these sorts of changes
1: Just any little hot takes. Mm. Really, I think the most important part is to be an approachable parent. Yeah. If you're a parent or an older guardian or like even just like an auntie or an older cousin. Yeah. Is, you know, being an approachable parent, being somebody who they feel comfortable talking to about this with. And that starts with you being comfortable talking about it. Right. And again, we're all so scared of, you know, having the conversation there's so many opportunities to bring it up or to, you know, whether we see something on TV or on TikTok, or right. Or even, you know, I think of all of the moms that I know where you're always joking. That they have no privacy in the bathroom. Right. And so we, Oh, mom's folding her toilet paper this way, or mom's bleeding, or there's the cervical mucus and not hiding this stuff, but actually saying like, Hey, yeah, check it out. My body does this and this is normal.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: work on your relationship with your body, your cervix, your cervical mucus, and then demonstrate that to the little ones in your life.
0: Mm, it always starts with us, right? It always comes back to our relationship <clears throat> to our bodies. Wow. Well. Oh, well, Chloe, I'm like, I would love to hear more about your upcoming offerings. Cause I know you've been, you know, focused on fertility awareness, but you have something new and beautiful that's come
1: through and I would love to hear about it. Yeah. This, the cervix is just so amazing. And it's such an important part of everything I do, no matter what, um, I'm speaking to, or what intention you have for your fertility awareness practice. So I'm always teaching fertility awareness. I'm like, that's my, that's my wheel of genius. So I love to teach people how to chart their cycles and how to chart it accurately so that you can use this information to avoid or achieve pregnancy effectively without medical intervention, so that you're getting real time accurate data to understand what's going on with your health and your wellness. And to use this method as like a compass for what are some things you can do to create more nourishment and safety for your body and to have healthy cycles. Um, But the cervix, yeah, it's just, just getting more and more attention, which I love and I know you love, and I was doing a cervix portrait party. So one of my other passion projects is the cervix portrait party, where I get a bunch of people together, whether in person or online, and we use speculums, hand mirrors, flashlights, and cameras to take a look and actually take photos of our cervix. And in the portrait party, we talk about definitely the anatomy and physiology of the cervix, but we also talk about some things that affect your cervix and some things that we can do to improve our cervical health. So I think it was a couple months ago now, maybe even last year, that um i had manuela of the holistic venus come to my online cervix portrait party and she just had such a great time and i know that she's on her own journey of loving and healing her cervix and she's a nutritionist and a biologist so she said chloe i want to do six weeks on just on just the cervix will you do this with me i'm like oh yeah so we're doing six weeks of lecture and embodiment practices obviously we're going to start with a cervix portrait party We're going to talk a lot about cervical health, the vagus nerve, we haven't even talked about the vagus nerve, Um, mineralization, we're going to talk about nutrition, we're going to do vaginal steaming and breath work and meditation. So it's just going to be six weeks of cervical wellness, devotion, and celebration. And I'm really excited about it. It's the first time we're doing this.
0: Wow. Wow. Oh, I can feel my body and cervix just being like, oh, like swimming over, yeah, that sort of container and, and being guided in that sort of process. Because, you know, in my work, I talk about a lot of these things and I share about it like in my program to do, um, and I do lead embodiments and whatnot, but to have someone be like, okay, now we're going to do a cervix portrait party. Now we're going to do a steam. Now we're going to do this. I think that is a really powerful and potent Um, guidance that many women need and I just want to put a plug here for uh, Chloe's (coughs) cervix portrait parties because when we met in person at Spirit Weavers in 2019 she was doing it and I didn't get a chance to do it but I was actually an observer and I saw all the women coming out of that workshop being like this was the best thing of my life (laughs) like oh my gosh why have I never seen my cervix why have I never had a photo taken of it um yeah I don't but I do have a photo of my cervix it's not a very good photo though the doctor took it and maybe I need to take a portrait party
1: well I when I started the cervix portrait parties we I have an actual camera that zooms right and I digital camera Mm-hmm. And I started with uh, O'Neill, who's another amazing cervix celebrant. So Onel, who does beaut- beautiful cervix.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so she has a <clears> whole <throat> video on her website on how to <clears throat> take a photo. So it was like with a proper camera, you got to put it in the speculum. You have to, um, you have to focus it here and then go in. Anyway, so I have perfected this as well. Maybe, maybe I haven't, but <laughs> so I had a group of women and we, they all had speculums in. And then after the ooing and the awing, which I never get sick of hearing when you see your cervix for the first time, I would go around and I would take the photo. And so I would take the photo with my camera and I would take several. Until I knew I like, get, yeah, this is the perfect picture. And I've also learned um, doing this. I can't even count how many times I've done the cervix portrait party now. Um, some tips and tricks to like get a good picture, because of course we know that your cervix changes um, throughout your cycle. So depending on where you are in your cycle, it might be a little bit more difficult to see or maybe even impossible. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, the actual taking of the photo can be really tricky. And then the pandemic happens, and I stopped doing the cervix portrait party because we weren't gathering anymore. And people were sending me photos of their cervixes on my DMs on Instagram. And I was like, how did you take that photo? Oh, just with myself, just so, on my phone camera. Really? And so I called like my best friend. I call her my partner in menstruality. She says yes to everything. And I said, come over, bring a speculum. We're taking cervix selfies. And so we practiced taking our own photo with our cameras, with our phone cameras. And definitely it's a challenge. But after some practice, I'm like, yes, I could, I could guide someone to do this themselves. And then that's when I started doing it online.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that you can um, use the speculum, use the flashlight to see it. And then actually use just even with your own camera, take on your phone, just even on your phone, just take a picture. So there's some tips and tricks for that one too, but for sure it takes, it takes practice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes I call myself the zealous cervix photographer. Because it's been a, It's been a process to perfect for sure. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for fine tuning it so that you could share with others. I also wanted to name the power of seeing other women's cervixes yeah. live in person. Oh. Um, I went to an event down in LA, um, but with the, her name, her handle online. is Pamela. In-
1: Sorry. Pamela, Pamela Samuelson, taking back yeah. the speculum.
0: Yes. Taking back the speculum where okay. we, well, first we had like a whole vulva gazing Library, or I don't know if she called a library, but like three at a time, we'd like sit on the edge of a of a couch and like spread our legs, and it was a gallery, not not a library, a gallery, the Volva gallery, and we would like tell the stories of our vulva to each other, and and then we did, yeah, cervix gazing, where like everybody you'd go around and like peer inside to see people's cervixes, and I remember walking away from that event just feeling. One, so much, so in love with my own body because, you know, as women, we can pick ourselves apart and critique and, but then also just having such deep reverence for the female body in general, just to see, you know, the differences in the vulvas and even the differences in the cervixes and in the shape or like the position, or maybe one's a little veiny or, you know, whatnot is just normalizing the beautiful uh, variety of the female body. It was just one of the most poignant moments of my life and my adulthood. And I I wish more people would do events like that because Embody Work, yeah, Taking Back the Speculum by Embody Work LA um, was fantastic. Have you done something like
1: that before? Oh yeah, I went to her aunt. I I know exactly the one you're talking about because I was this close to buying a plane ticket and just going down there. but I did her online one instead. So yeah, Pamela, I did her online taking back your sex speculum. Kidist Ashe, who's in another amazing cervix celebrant. I did her cervix celebration, which was online and included a speculum to see your cervix. And also we did a little vaginal steaming. Um, Yeah. So it's just so beautiful to see so many of us getting excited and talking more about the cervix and in positive ways. Because typically when I ask people, okay, what do you think of when I say cervix? It's, cervical dysplasia or HPV or PAP tests or cervical cancer, right? This is what we think of when we think of the cervix. We don't even, we don't even think about the fact that we have one until, you know, something may be wrong with it. And so to yeah, be coming together in these groups and seeing other vulvas, other cervixes, and in a non-clinical and in a non-sexual way is so flipping powerful and amazing.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, more vulva galleries, please. <laughs> more cervix galleries. Yep. Um, if for those of you who are listening and you want to see an online cervix gallery, um, O'Nell Starkey has the beautiful cervix project. I'll link it below. That's a really powerful resource just to see cervixes in different times of life and postpartum or whatnot. So I'll definitely link that below. Oh, Chloe, I, I, I'm just so tickled that you said yes to being on the podcast. And I would love for you to share where people can find you.
1: Thank you. I, you can find me all by my name. So I'm Chloe Skirlack. C-H-L-O-E. Skirlack is S-K-E-R-L-A-K. My website is chloeskirlack.com. My Instagram is at Chloe Scurlack. I have a YouTube slash Chloe Scurlach, Facebook Chloe Scurlach, and newly TikToking. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to stay there or not, but Chloe Scurlock, you'll find me. There's no other person with my name in the whole wide world. So you can find me there. And I love to gush over the cervix, over fertility awareness, menstrual cycles. Um, So reach out and connect with me if this calls to you too. Mm, Beautiful. I
0: will link all that below. And Chloe, I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for being here. And yes, cheers to our cervixes.
1: Cheers to our cervix. Thank you so much, Janelle. I love you and your cervix.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, friends. If you want more cervical wellness information and content, check out my website, cervicalwellness.com or give us a follow over on Instagram at cervicalwellness. Please share this episode if it felt right and true for you. And until next time, friends, remember, we've got this.